little bit of a um, summary of the Sermon on the Mount here. Um, one, one more thing I forgot to mention. We have a uh, serve sign up in the back there. Um, and if anybody's looking to, to get involved in serving in any way, or by the way, if you play the bass, that would be nice too. Um, we're losing a worship leader, also a bassist. Uh, um, but actually we're talking about even getting our youth developing into future worship leaders. That'd be kind of fun too, right? Um, but yeah, there's a serve sign up out there. Always need help in children's and usher, greeter, you know, just all kinds of stuff, multimedia, everything. So um, yeah, that's out there if you'd like to sign up. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 24 through 27. If everyone stand up, we'll read this together and then we'll pray. We'll get started. Here we go. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Lord, thank you so much for this time that uh, we could get together and um, be together as a church family. We pray that you would be speaking and ministering and moving in our midst here this morning. Uh, God, that you'd help us to get exactly what you want us to get. You convict us of what you want to convict us of, that you'd encourage us where you want to encourage us, that you would speak life um, into, into us so we can speak life to the world, God. So we pray that you'd be... Um, just give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Fill us with your spirit to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. So yeah, we are uh, currently going through 1 Timothy, uh, but I decided to take a break between elders and deacons. Uh, and a lot of what is going on in 1 Timothy is, is this waging, like this, this warfare of mindset, kingdom. There's war of the worlds, the battle of the kingdoms. And Jesus laid this out really, really clearly. And I was, I was encouraged by it this week. And I was like, it'd be fun to do like a, you know, middle of First Timothy one-off here. Um, on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is, is wild, okay? Sermon on the Mount is like Jesus um, proclaiming the kingdom. It's arrived, here it is, and it's going to look so, so insanely different from the world that we see around us. And so he brings all this, this out. It starts off in the book of Matthew. Sermon on the Mount starts in, in chapter 5. But to kind of catch you up to speed even getting there, the, we have the birth of Jesus. We have when he's young. And then all of a sudden we see Jesus being baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. That's his last name. So he had to, you know, it's kind of like, if your last name's Shoemaker, don't you have to make shoes? Probably, right? You know, that used to be what it was. No, I'm kidding. That wasn't his last name. It's what he did. So John baptized him, and then we see the Spirit descend on a, like a dove, and, and then you hear this voice, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And uh, immediately, everyone who's there sees something different. Um, I believe this is the first time we see someone fully filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, been studying a lot on Christology, uh, how, you know, God, man, like 100% God, 100% man, how does that work out, you know? Like, did he use, does he use his godness to not mess up? And does he ever cheat and walk through walls? Or, you know, it was fully man, fully God. And, and uh, a lot of people believe, and 
I'm inclined to at least go there partially, uh, that it's Jesus put off, we know he put off his, his, his the, the powers in the sense of being God. He, he puts that off and then he goes and, and becomes man and then is filled by the Holy Spirit. So when we see Jesus moving, we could say a lot of it is just a life fully dedicated to the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And so that's like really encouraging and also really convicting. You know, because you're like, so that's possible. Okay, interesting. You know, uh, but this would would it be would look like in a perfect setting. So we have Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the next thing that happens? He's off to the desert. As as he's been empowered, now he goes off and he starts fulfilling this and and uh, uh, investing in his inner life. Right? He's in the desert for forty days. What happens after that? Satan comes, and he, and he tempts him, and he uses these half-truths to try to get Jesus to slip up. And, of course, he doesn't. We see Jesus then come take fishers, fishermen, completely change the trajectory of their life. You were going that way. Now you're going to follow me. We're going to do this completely different. And then he's, he's, he's been healing people, doing all kinds of stuff. So then he starts and gathers everyone up together, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. So that's where we're at. We're going to give a little bit of a... Uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a basic brief understanding of the Sermon on the Mount because it all ties into the kingdom. It's all kingdom principles, and we'll see exactly how different it is from the world around us. It's like sharp contrast. Um, so remind, reminding ourselves we're going to be looking at these are the things we hear, and the things when we do them, we're like a wise man who builds a house on the rock. These are the things, Right? So here's our recap. Here's our Mandalorian recap. You know how it always shows. Do you guys watch that part or no? We're kind of like mixed. Tori's like, no, skip it. And I'm like, no, I like it. It gets me in the, I know where they're going to go with this. I'm like, all right. Oh, we're going to be looking at his life. Okay. You know, I like recaps. So here you go. If you don't like it, well, you're here. So starts with something called the Beatitudes, where Jesus completely flips the power structure on its head, Right? Instead of blessed are the rich and powerful and all this and that, what does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, those who, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for the, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And he reminds them your reward is in heaven. Your life will look like Jesus, and this will make a big impact. So when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we go, man, this is radical. This is like transformational. There's got to be some deep down change. But everything, in every part that we look at it, think about the life of Jesus. It's completely exemplified by that. Like this is a perfect picture of the life of Christ. I would say a life in the spirit living for Christ in a world that doesn't change. You bring a new world, a new kingdom into it and invade. And so Jesus did exactly that. Uh, he invaded with just these principles. It's going to have a big impact, right? And then we're reminded that we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're to sh shine so that men can see God in us, and then he gets glory, right? So we have a different set of values and a different hope and a different um, you know, trajectory than the rest of the world. We're meant to be active, though, in the world so that we're shining bright, so that they can taste the salt, so they can experience the real thing. And I always, it's 
It's really interesting. I think the most insightful and amazing stuff coming out um, by pastors and in ministries are those that are like in the trenches. I mean, listen to the, the underground church in China or Iran, right? Listen to I, I, the other part. Listen to people from Portland or Manhattan who are battling and, and for Christ. It's, an, it's incredible, right? Because they're seeing God do it in the midst of uh, unfamiliar territory. And I think, again, the light shines brightest in the midst of darkness. And so God has a way of putting his people into dark places for a reason, right? We're, we're like, it's like us, Christians are kind of like um, bugs, where we all want to like go to the light, let's just stay all together in the light. But God's like, sometimes I'm going to put you here to be the light in the darkness. And you're going to have to come back and, you know, get recharged and, and then go back out. But like, we're called to be and make an impact in the world. Uh, Jesus reminds us that this kingdom is not built on personal merit, but it's Christ fulfilling the law, right? We're righteous through him, through his sacrifice. So it's not something that we just like uh, can effort ourselves in, into, but our effort is given into discipleship, right? Uh, and we've been talking a lot about that in the last couple weeks. That's kind of why I want to touch on this is, is that you're and you and I are being discipled all the time. And if we don't put effort into our discipleship, we are going to be reactive, not proactive. And reactive makes you really, really vulnerable, right? Proactive puts you in the position of, of you're prepared for this. And that's really what this message is all about. Being proactive and being ready for what's coming at you as opposed to, uh-oh, it, what's that? Oh, I don't know. I better, you know, freak out. When you're reactive, you do dumb things. It's kind of like the study even of like martial arts is you're proactive, right? So you know what to do and every single thing might come your way. So um, then Jesus starts digging in. He's like, what about murder and adultery? Oh, yeah, you guys think you're good. What about when you hate someone? What about when you think lustfully about somebody else? This is murder in your heart, adultery in your heart. And what he's speaking to is we need like an actual full life transformational change, you know, and a continued renewing. We can't be what we were before, slap a band-aid on it, put a mask on. That's not going to work. And we need to be serious. Then he says, we need to be serious about the words we say. Let our yes be yes, yes our no be no. When we say we, uh, we commit in marriage, we stay, we stick with it. This is where we belong. This is how the church should act, right? Then he says, love those who hate you. Don't return evil for evil. Jesus did this exact thing for us, right? He gives us those examples. I know you're like, this is like three chapters. Yes, I know. It's the brief version, but you're kind of getting a, the cliff notes, which you guys like the cliff notes, right? This is our spark notes now. Dated myself. Um, I used to joke that I'd read half of the back page of the cliff notes when I was in student uh, you know, never mind. Chapter 6, um, it, it says the importance of the secret God-trusting life. That our, 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 it'll show in the way we react to people if we really trust God. And this is our secret inner life. The same thing we see with Jesus. Right? So what does he say? He says, don't let your deeds be done before men. Because then you're going to get your credit from them. Do it in the secret. Right? Don't, don't. Uh, pray before men, loud and in front of everyone. Don't fast before men, 
right? When you give, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You know, let it be, this, this is, because we trust in Jesus, because we're of a different kingdom, we don't need the world to tell us that we're something because we already know we, who we are in Christ. Our identity is set in him. And Jesus says, if you, you pray to me in secret, I'll reward you openly. If you do it openly, you'll get your reward, but it's never gonna taste that good. And by the way, you're manipulating and using people, and that's, that's not what you're supposed to be doing here. You're supposed to give life, not take life. So um, then he says, lay up your treasures in heaven. You can't serve God and money, right? This is not an indictment against riches. This is saying you can't serve it, your riches. That can't be your God. Your God has got to be God. And then everything else lines up and it can be used beautifully for him, right? But you can't let those things hold on to us. Be generous. Take care of people. He'll take care of you. Don't worry. Chapter 7 says, don't judge others, but take a real look at yourself. You know, take the plank out of your eye before you start helping your neighbor with the speck. It's hard to look at our own lives, right? It's something about it that's just like uncomfortable. You know, I, I remember back in the day when I'd hear, you'd hear your voice on our answering machine. We're desensitized to this now, but you're like, that's my voice, you know? I mentioned this before, but like, I did not know that. Uh, I, I have Tori video me playing softball when I'm swinging, and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? And I'll look at it and be like, there it is. There's the problem, you know? It's looking at our lives with that kind of intensity. What is going on here? Because we're experts at figuring everybody else's life out for them, right? Can I get an Amen. Is there anybody in here who actually knows what everybody else in here should be doing? Yes. I have a list, actually. Yeah, we're going to see it. Oh, gosh. Please don't show me the list. Uh, no, but it's, it's, it's to take serious note of ourselves and look, man, where am I off on this? How am I messed up here? I don't want to do this. I don't want to judge others. I want to take a real look, hard look at myself. God, search me and know me. Show me where I'm off right? And then he reminds them, you get to come now boldly and keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. God gives good gifts. Like a father gives good gifts, God gives even better ones. So come to me, right? And he says, watch out for the fakes, you know, both their influence and your ability to be one of them, you know? So watch out for that. Fruit will be the indicator, You'll see the fruit in your life, and it'll either be of Christ or it won't be. And we've got to be honest and real about that and discerning, too. You can be active in ministry, but without a private, personal life, we gain the world, we lose our soul. Don't, uh, it's, do we spend time with Jesus like the same way that he modeled it? Getting away, spending time with him. So it's like in, in light of all that, we went through two chapters plus, you know, in light of all that, this, this internal change, transformational, uh, man, it sounds so foreign to the world we live in. But that's exactly why it is salt. That's exactly why it is light. Because it's a kingdom uh, that is complete opposite of all the mess we have around us. And God calls us directly into this, uh, into this world so that we would be ambassadors and we would be bringing this to everywhere we go. That, that our little footprint would be like, this is a kingdom zone. This is where things are different, right? And so we have this warning caught up to, we're actually we're at the scripture now, okay? 
Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Trusting in God, trusting in his ways, his kingdom, believing in what he said, puts it, it puts disciplined action into like what we say we believe. I mean, that, that's it. Like You can hear these sayings and think they sound good, but without there actually being action, we don't believe them. Right? Because if you believe something's actually going to happen, you, take, you, you go for it. You take action, action for it, right? For instance, when you were told there will be no more toilet paper, no matter how much you had, it wasn't enough anymore, was it? You're like, I've got enough for the next three years, but what about the fourth year? You know, Which is exactly why none of us could get it. Those of us who are living... Toilet paper roll to toilet paper roll, you know? Gosh, should have known, you know? Had no clue. And it was like, seriously, I mean, it was kind of like a treasure hunt. Honey, I'm at Costco. They've got, they've got toilet paper. Well, then grab one. You go back. There's two people. There's an old lady. You're like, Lord, I know you'll forgive me for this, and you take it. No, I'm kidding. I would never do that. That's the opposite kingdom. But that, that's, that's the idea. When you believe something... You will take action. And, and even, it's funny, we don't even have to believe it that much. It's just enough, right? Because you go, I don't know if this is really true or not, but I better do it, you know? So, it, it, but when, when God says something and when God lays this stuff out, we go, ah, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of done a pretty good job. But this is where we look at the plank in our eye. Have we? <laughs> do we really do all that well at this? Putting in the work and uh, into and, and words into discipline action. Putting these words because this is what he says: Whoever hears these sayings of mine, that's great that you hear it and does them. I think that generally the, the church is really we we love hearing words, but doing it that's that's it. Because the next part he's going to say: Whoever hears it and doesn't do it, the first part's the same. You've both heard it. But the second part, it changes everything. The ending is based on if we do them or not, right? So there's this disciplined action that will establish a man or a woman for the storms of life. Just show of hands. How many of you guys in the last couple of years have had storms in your life? Everybody, okay, pretty much, Right? We've all experienced storms in our life. They come. It's, it's on the just, the unjust, the godly, the ungodly. The rains come. The storms come. But as we establish ourselves, we are proactively, instead of reactively, preparing for the future by connecting ourselves to the only eternal, unshakable truth. And the more the world is shaking around us, the crazier it gets, the more we need this. And everything in us, we hear these, we see these lights, and they're like, danger, 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 crazy, crazy. Look, look at this. What about that? What about this? What about that? And you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I can't keep my attention on all this stuff, right? I don't have time to listen to God because I have so many things to worry about. And he's like, just stop. Come to with me because all of the things that Jesus said in the whole Sermon on the Mount 
none of them are stopped or thwarted by conditions of the world. Like these are useful in all seasons. These are all season tires, you know. They're, they're good for any time. They're an all-purpose basketball. You can do it inside, indoor, or outdoor, right? They're, they're useful for anything. So there's no excuse, but we somehow th- think, well, yeah. And I mean, literally, we, we don't, sometimes we don't vocalize it, but we think it. Yeah, God, I trust you, but this is like the real world on this part. I know what to do here. He's like, you know, you have no clue what to do here. And the foundations we build are essential. So the hard work we put in at the beginning is everything. Because the foundation's bad, everything's bad. If you, if you don't have a good foundation, it doesn't matter how big the mansion is, it can go, right? Just like houses built on the bluff, right? You go, man, does the, did the bluff not know how much this house was worth? How about some respect here? Do you know how nice the stuff was inside the house? Bluff doesn't care. It's going to go, you know, at some point, especially with all of us who go down the parts of the beach you're not supposed to, you know? Not us, you, probably us. I don't know. But it's like, it's like that, no one cares. That doesn't matter. It does not matter. The foundation is everything. And so when we establish, when we look to be, to be bulletproof or weatherproof through the storms and uh, shockproof or even uh, propaganda-proof, the only way this can possibly happen is if our life and our principles and our, our daily disciplines are built on the kingdom of heaven. That is the only thing that doesn't shake. And, and sometimes God is gracious enough to show us the things we kind of in the back of our head thinks are unshakable aren't, right? I, I, that's always a reminder. I've, I've, thank God I've had good health most of my life. And then I'll like roll my ankle and it's like, it's the end of the world, you know? Like, can't do any of the things you could do anymore, you know? And it's like, oh. What am I going to do? I guess, I, I guess I'm hanging it up forever, you know, or whatever. But it's amazing how one little thing can just affect everything. You go, whoa, now all of a sudden I can't run. I feel like, could I even protect my family? You know, all these different things. Yes, you can. You just use the crutch. Bang. Okay. Uh, in a nonviolent Jesus way, I guess. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but when you hear that, so we, we understand and we, and we recognize that... Uh, believing him at his word, this is really, really, really important. Whether we can fully conceptualize it or not, just believe him at his word. Right? We establish everything on that. Lord, I want to be proactively prepared for the storms that come. And there's like a part of it where, uh, <laughs> it's funny, God will prepare you. I, I, I it's happened the last couple of times where God is like, I have a sweet time and he's doing really cool stuff in my life and I feel like encouraged and oh, this is so good and I'm just pumped up for whatever he's gonna do and I'm like, God, I feel like you're preparing to do something really, really cool and the next thing that comes is something really gnarly and you're like, that's what you're preparing me for? I was hoping it was something good. I didn't know you were building me up for that and he's like, well, did you stand? Did you make it through it? Yeah, yes. But next time, could it be for like something really, you know, 
But it's, it's part of that, where we're built and we're established proactively. God is working in us and preparing us to where we can look at the things around us and we can go, hmm, okay, that looks like we should engage there. Oh, it looks like mm, that definitely needs prayer. Okay, like I'm concerned. Oh, look, we need to take action. But none of these things move us or rock us or throw us off kilter because we're built on the one and only unshakable rock. You can't find this anywhere else. And for those who have tried it, which is most of us, to find it in anything else, whether it be accolade or a job or status or, um, you know, whatever, titles, athletics, um, you know, or, or we choose an even more destructive path, you know, drug, alcohol abuse, um, looking relationships. We all know none of it works. We just know none of it works. I mean, we can all be really honest about that, right? I was, I felt like my life was incomplete, so I got married. Did that solve it? No, but I'll have kids. Okay, that'll solve it. No, it won't. Everything gets worse <laughs> if you, unless you fix the problem. It doesn't get worse. It's great to have, be married and have kids. But if you're looking at something to be the solution, you can't picture your, you can't have your, your wife or your or husband be your savior when you need a real savior. And especially God help you if you're asking your children to do it for you. You're asking them to do something you can't do. Lord, help us. God, help us to fix our eyes on you. And to hear, when we hear these things, that we would be like the wise man, that we would build on it. We would do them. We would take action, hard work and action. Listen, we got to fight for this. There's like an overwhelming issue in our culture. It's been happening for years and years and years and years where there is no time for anything. There's like no time. Like, like everything, every square sec, it's every, we fill every second of our day up. We fill every weekend up. We fill every single minute up. And you go, I'm living life to the fullest. Well, did Jesus do that? No, he, he got away and he spent time and he built on the real foundation, right? We, we remove ourselves from this. And, we, and, and sometimes that means literally just saying no. Like I can't do everything. And spend time establishing on the real thing. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just like, God, I think he's, he's really shaking the world right now. Like there is a shaking happening. I don't know if he's shaking it or we're shaking it for him. But like there is a shaking happening. And whenever there's a shaking happening, there's some, it's, a, it's a perfect season and opportunity for the church to rise up. But the church will not rise up if we're, our foundations are built on the same foundations as the world. Yes, Jesus is our Savior, but my foundation is built on the same things that everybody else is, is built on, right? But if we build our foundations on, the, on, on Christ and, and on his kingdom and, and, and his values, and, and so we do the same things he did where we got away all the time. Lord, speak to me. Lord, here's all the burdens I'm carrying. Take them. God, here's the issues in my life. Here, I lay it down again, afresh and new, renew. Uh, I see this stuff around me. It's overwhelming. God, speak to me. Bring me peace. Give me, help me. And then he builds us. Uh, build, we establish everything on the firm foundation, the rock. Verse 26, though, 
But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is tragedy, right? This is, this is like when you go a little bit rogue and think you know the Lego piece to put in. You assume, and you find out you're one booklet back, and you made a mistake, and you have to rebuild the whole thing. <laughs> you're like, I'm now taking my whole Lego thing apart to put in one piece that messed everything up. You hear these sayings of mine, and you thought, wow, that's really interesting. What a cool countercultural revolution. That, and, and we recognize that it ministers to something deeply implanted inside of us. Like, like when you hear the way that Jesus is talking, you're like, that is exactly how I want people to treat me. That is exactly what I'd hoped the kingdom was about. That is exactly the kind of rest for my soul that I'm looking for. That I don't have to be, it doesn't have to be about me. That we get to like bless and love. And, and, and we get to experience that with one another. That it's not all cutthroat. One of the most gnarly things and interesting things uh, being a coach in youth sports is watching the different dads, just the way they approach rec ball. You know, you're just like, holy moly. Like, like your poor kid, you know, you could tell some of them, you're like, your poor child. I don't know what you've done to them. Uh, but like, you're just a, this, this approach and there's no grace and, and there's, you know, like watch, you can watch them scream at an 11 year old umpire and you're like, uh, not sure if this is right, you know, like 40-year-old man just yelling at him, and the kid's like, I'm sorry, you know, I thought it was now, you know, and then they're like second-guessing themselves. You're like, man, this is rough. No, they, we, so we, we know there's something wrong with the world. We know there's something wrong with the system, yet it's so, it's, we just know it so well. We're, it's like ingrained in us. Like we've, we've been around it so long, but yet there's a deeper yearning inside of us. I heard a quote, it was, um, sometimes our strongest desires are not actually our deepest desires, you know? So we might have strong desires for the things of the flesh, but if, if we're to take time internally and spend time with God and, and spend time with him alone, we'll find out there's deeper desires that are actually far greater than those strong desires. Strong for the moment, they've been fed, but deeper desires that last for eternity, that were bred into you as image of God, new, this creation that was meant to rule and reign with God and be used for him and for his glory. So you hear these things of mine, you don't do them, you're like a foolish man. Built his house on the sand. Here comes the same thing, the rains descended, floods came, the winds blew, beat down, beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When we, can, when we choose to continue, like, in our own way, especially when we've, like, seen it for ourselves, we're like, I know that's God's way, but I just think I'm going to roll with what I've got going on here. And, on, and, and it's, it's, like, honest. I actually appreciate the honesty. But uh, I think what we don't realize, if we're being honest, more honest with ourselves, is as we choose to continue on our own way, uh, it means we believe the lie that we know better. Like, we really think we know better. We think that for some reason we've got a better idea and better ha handle on truth than God does. 
And it's the exact lie that was used in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, we see the fall, right? Now the serpent was more cunning uh, than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat uh, every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. By the way, this is a half-truth, right? Satan is the master at half-truths. But so what's the woman's response here? So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they, were, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. She believed she knew better. She was, she was uh, confronted um, by a choice of do you believe God or do you believe yourself? Now, she listened to the serpent, yes. But at the end, she listened to herself. She believed she knew better. She believed she had a better plan. Of course, the result is uh, we're living in it. We're living in the result, right? And thank God uh, the second Adam came in Christ. And, and we're going to be celebrating that in like two, three weeks. And that's just, that's, that's God and his amazing grace. But do we respond to God's amazing grace by like, eh, no big deal, you know? I'll continue to kind of go on my own way, but thankfully I go to heaven. Thanks for the ticket. I'm out of here, you know? Now, one of the things we got to realize is we're far less reasonable. There's been, like, studies done recently. It's really interesting. Uh, all of us think we're so reasonable, and we're so, we're so good at understanding truth and, you know, figuring it all out for ourselves, and, and, you know, we're reasonable, we're autonomous, you know? We would never be like the Nazis, you know, the German, they're like the engineers of the world. Like, the, they're like, they were, they were like developing everything. Like, it was incredible. Even like music, I mean, so much came out of Germany. A, a lot of Christianity did too. And it was, but it was in this, this whole secular, you know what, we don't need God anymore. We've gotten, we're past all of that. We're not doing the whole emotional thing and all this, but we are way more emotional than we think. How do we know this? Because ads work. Ads work. Ads get you to buy things you don't need to buy. It's propaganda, right? And, and that all started after, I think it was World War I, right, where the, they brought in the guy who was uh, an expert in advertising uh, and had done a lot of propaganda even uh, for the bad guys, you know, <laughs> And he's like, I know how to sway people. How about we do it for profit now as opposed to, uh, you know, world domination? A different kind of world domination. We're in a similar position, too. We're glued to our propaganda machines, and there's an algorithm to keep the dopamine pumping, right? So it's like, that's what's, that's what's going on. That's what we're up against. That's the shaking world that is trying again and again to disciple us. But we've got this awesome opportunity to be attached and, 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 uh, and built on the firm foundation, the rock. 
So the good news is, even with all that, we're not stuck. If you can hear, if you can understand, and you can sense God stirring you up for change, it's, it's not too late. In fact, it's right on time. And I think for some of us, actually a lot of us, even if you say you're a down believer, you've been following the Lord for a long time, it is so easy to build a side project on foundation of the world, right? Like you, you build the granny flat. <laughs> My house is mostly built on the rock, but I've got a granny flat. It's on the foundation of the world, or I got a timeshare on the, in it. Not saying you shouldn't have those things, by the way. But I'm saying we built on that stuff, and then so we reap a lot of those, you know, the effects of that. We're not stuck, though. It's not too late. Today's the day. This is the best time. Uh, because, look, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We have no clue. I'm praying for a revival, and I, I'm praying we don't just survive, but I'm praying we thrive. You know, part of the idea of, um, you know, this war of the kingdom and everything going on, and, and especially this picture of, of these houses built on the foundations, those who stand, those that fall, and this, those who are deeply formed uh, in discipleship to Jesus and buying into his kingdom, they're those, those places that are able to withstand it's not only, if we build well, not only do we survive, but we're able to bring in shelter for others. We're able to, like, show others the way. And that's where it really stands out. You know, I couldn't help but think about three little pigs, you know? You guys know the pig story, right? What's the first one? What does he build it out of? Straw. What in the world is he thinking, right? This guy builds it out of straw. But what, what, was, the, what was the allure to building it out of straw? What? Easy, quick, you know, biodegradable, you know, <laughs> very much so, right? So he builds it out of straw, and this wolf, for whatever reason, has incredible lungs. Must have been a, like, trumpet player or something, and he blows the house down. What's the second guy make it out of? A little bit better, huh? At least we're dealing with wood, but it sticks. This is like our forts we made when we were kids, you know? And every time you go out there, it would, like, fall from nothing. I don't know. My stick fort fell again, you know. Well, then what's the last guy make it out of? Bricks, right? And so he makes it out of bricks. And, and if you watch the old cartoons, what ends up happening? What do the other two pigs do? They come running over. Ah! You know, they come in, and, you know, he's playing the piano. You know, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? All this and that, right? That's not a biblical uh, example exactly. But there's something about that, right? Because it takes that one guy. They're all laughing at him. They're playing. They're cruising. They're having all their leisure time. And this guy is methodically, brick by brick, building his life with a good foundation and sturdy materials. And it pays. Best part is, if you're a parent, you start building now, you teach your children how to build too, right? Just like learning how to actually build, that's useful, sure. Learning how to work hard, definitely useful. Learning how to build on a biblical foundation where you really do trust God, where you really do believe him, where you really do establish your life in front, that, may, that means everything. We show the way, right? This is the way. Sorry, you're watching those, I guess. <laughs> right, Ken? <laughs> but God's called us to this and he's given us this opportunity to, as the kingdom of the world rages, as the world does all that it's going to do, 
I can build you right in the middle of all of it on a rock. Doesn't matter where you are. If I'm with you, you don't have to worry about anything. I mean, think about the, the early church. They were radical for Jesus. They had like prison doors opening. Uh, they had like earth. I mean, this just why everything was an opportunity for the gospel. Everything. Why? Because they were built on the rock. And how often do you see them freaking out? Rarely, you know, because they're built on the rock. It's funny. There's been certain times throughout history where I've really struggled. Like, uh, you know, it's like, whoa, like it kind of comes at you, anxiety and stuff. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like even with like crazy stuff going on, it's like there's something so calm and peaceful. It's like, God, you're, you're in charge. Like everyone thinks they're in charge. They're, they don't know anything. Like you are my rest. You're like my hiding place. Like you're like, there, there's nothing. If you want to do something, no one can stop you. If you want to stop something, no one can do it. It's like, it's the, it, the unshakable, unbreakable, perfect center, the will of God. That is just a, is a recipe for like health in the midst of decay, growth in the midst of death, light in the midst of darkness, and it's salt for the world to experience. So when we think about that. We think about like, you know, what we've been learning and, and how deep, deeply we're being discipled, we've got to fight against the current and spend our time, because our, our, again, as we said a couple weeks ago, our decisions will follow our discipleship. Your decisions, your lifestyle will follow the way you've been trained and brought up and raised and discipled in Christ. If you, if you don't have a firm foundation, your decisions will follow that, and then it's, it's like, it, see how that works out. You know, we want to stop that before that starts. We say, God, help us. We want to follow you and trust you in everything that we do and say, all right, Lord, you put me here. You put given me this position. Help us to build on the firm foundation that is Christ. You know, and, and believe him more than we believe ourselves, more than we think we understand. And then he'll he'll allow us to be part of it. He'll he'll you know keep us in the midst of it. And it's incredible. There's no peace like the peace of God. And you could find peace in the gnarliest positions and you could find anxiety in the most wonderful positions. You know, you could think I'm in Hawaii on a, in the middle of nowhere with, you know, people serving me and you can have, just be overcome by angst. Or you could have peace uh, on the streets following Jesus, you know. We're going to um, pray, we're going to do a song of worship, and we're going to have the Jed, Gabby, and, and um, if the kids want to come, do you guys have them all or no? Okay, you can. Okay, cool. Uh, they can come up and we'll all kind of gather together and pray for them uh, right after, and then we'll go to eat. But let's pray uh, right now, and we'll sing a, a, one more song of worship. Lord, we thank you for your grace for us. We thank you for your